Yeah. Test, we're on. We going? Yep. Hey Siri. Time, 28 minutes. Uh, oh, music. Bosh. It's almost like we're getting good at it. We're getting there. Almost. <laughs> I quite like our little, like, idiosyncratic little, oh, that's the wrong sound. <laughs> Oh, oh, the camera's stopped working. I just like... We are a high-end production house, Scott, you know. Yeah, I just like the completely unedited, just have a chat. Yeah, it whatever, is what it is. Whatever happens, happens. It is what it is. So welcome back to the Creative Pursuit podcast brought to you by the team at Northern Powerhouse Media. My name's Adam Burkett. And I'm Scott Edwards. Uh, welcome back and uh, to podcast number seven. Seven. Have I got it right way around? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we have early recorded episode eight, so, so we are confused, slightly Scott. out of order. I'm so confused. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll soldier on. Can I have a little bit more volume in my ears, please? And you, which headphone jack are you plugged into? I'm in two. Two. Lovely. How's that? That's perfect. Excellent. Thank you very much. Might as well get it right at the beginning, cool. eh? There we go. Canon timer's on. We're all set. Four records. Let's go. All right, we're in. So, um, so for this episode, no guest this week. Um, for this episode, we touched upon a subject in our last podcast with um, the wonderful Ian Turpin, um, with regards to um, film so, photography. So we talked a lot about film photography, and Ian had some amazing truth bombs about tech. I think. Yeah, I remember one thing that really st- stuck in my mind was talking about the eye sensor AF. Yeah, that is apparently new-ish, but right. it is not new. So, like, this is a thing on on a Canon R3, which is a high-end sports photographer. Do we need... Yeah. Oh, no, that's still going. Yeah. Oh, no. What, have I turned myself down? Can you... <laughs> I can hear you. I can't hear myself. What have you done to yourself? <laughs> Plug yourself Am back I here? in. I can't hear myself. Is the music going on? Nope. Oh, dear. Do we actually have to start uh, again? <laughs> For the first uh, time ever, do we have to figure out what... We've had a technical issue. My aren't working. Uh, they weren't before either. You know what, let's just press stop. Hello, test. Can you hear yourself? No. What the shit is going on? Hello. Could you hear yourself before you tried to play music? Yeah, and it just went off. I can hear you perfectly fine. Is it your Test. headphones? Test. Do we restart on the roadcaster, maybe? Because um, that can sometimes sort some of these routing issues out. We'll stop recording and come back. We'll start again. Hello. So where do we pick up from? from <laughs> do we explain the disaster that just unfolded? I don't know what us? just happened. <laughs> um, we had a major technical meltdown. <laughs> you know, as what I say, we talking high-end about? production company. Um, uh, there's still 20, 24 minutes. We lost four minutes. I'm there. not going to touch the roadcaster. There's, not, there's no music. There's oh, nothing. come on. <laughs> Try it. That's not that one. music. That's my old music. Yeah. Oh, dear. Come on, let's try it. Music. Let's scroll through. Oh, there's lots there. There we go. All right. So you wanted the thing. geek alarm. We got there in the end. So I think maybe th- we should proceed this entire episode with a bit of a geek alarm. Yeah. Now we are going to make this relevant to anybody, but there is going to be a bit of geeky chat related yep. to photography on this one. But it is all relevant and interesting. Promise. Yep. And it all comes from a conversation we had with Ian, Mr. Ian Turpin, who was here on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, the first thing he 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 dropped a couple of really interesting truth bombs regarding tech and how it's a barrier to creativity first of all but also just with regards to um some of the tech that we consider to be brand new and exciting yep which actually (laughs) dispelled that completely so the canon r3 is a very high-end sports and journalist photography camera very high-end it's really good it's cost about four and a half thousand quid just for the camera body yep before you put any lenses and any accessories with it and it's it apparently had this groundbreaking feature. Amazing when, feature. When you put it, when you put your eye to the the viewfinder, you could use your pupil to choose focus on where you wanted to focus. Right. So traditionally, how would one choose your focus point You'd on do a camera? It manually with either the lens or by tapping on the screen using autofocus. Mm-hmm. So what? So the IAF, as they, it's not IAF. What's it called? 
eye-controlled focus or something yeah. allows you to look where you wish the camera to focus at. Yeah. Dead cool, proper technology. So Ian says, no, it turns out like a Canon 1, what was it? Like, not 1D. I've forgotten the name Whatever of it. it was from like 1994. An analog has, camera. Yeah, has this technology. So I don't know if it's exactly the same. That, that was very, very interesting. But we talked also about how the, the convergence of tech particularly with regards to non-photo specific devices such as phones yeah. for taking photos. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Just going to look at them in a little bit more depth, see what the capabilities are with regards to phones versus proper cameras, yeah. see where the limitations are with phones, and actually really try and look at the question of can you be a, con- a high-end consumer, a low-end professional, a high-end professional, and use just a, a camera from your phone? Uh, we'll come I'm back completely to it, torn on it. I know. But, we'll get yeah. into it. We'll get to it. So let's let's start by just having a bit of a um, a review on all of our activity because it's been quite a few weeks. It has been. Quite, you've been jet setting off all over. I have. Europe. I've been traversing Scandinavia. Yeah. Um, for a couple of weeks and Wales actually, Did oh, a lot yeah. in Wales as yeah. well. Um, so I've talked a little bit about this project that I've been working on. Um on previous podcasts, but I did a lot of filming, 200 hours worth of footage, um, took over a crew of four, um, three Adams, <laughs> me including, and a, guy, and, and a chap called Ferdy. <laughs> How did that work? Um, it was really easy for the client because they just yelled, Adam, and somebody would <laughs> You're come. You're all up, <laughs> yeah. like meerkats. So we had uh, myself, Adam Burkett, we had Adam Bennett, so there's two Adam Bs, um, and Adam Bennett was the director of the shoot. We also had a guy called Adam Cook, who was a drone op and sound operator, and we had Verdi, who was our director of photography and camera op. Right. Did um, he feel a bit left out because he wasn't called Adam? I, we made him feel really bad about it. <laughs> Um, I had, a, but they, they were a fantastic crew to work with. Um, they've got a lot of experience in international shoots, so I wanted their experience of getting a hundred odd kilos mm. of film gear onto a Ryanair flight. It's not easy post Brexit. <laughs> oh my god, it's so <laughs> difficult. Um, and we had lots of interesting kind of conversations um, with checking people, trying to let us on with. Pelly cases. The first, the first flight we got to, one of the Pelly cases weighed forty-seven kilos, and she was like, "There isn't an airline on the planet that will let that on. It has to be thirty-two kilos left." So every airport we got to, we did like four flights around Europe, and every yeah. single one we got to was like unpacking bags, repacking bags, trying to cut it on the scales, get it up to thirty-two. And we have four of these massive Pelly cases with drones in, with camera kit, with sound kit, with lighting kit, all the stuff we need to do this shoot, yeah. and our hand luggage. Obviously, the guys wanted to take their twenty or thousand pound Sony FX9 onto the plane, yeah, of course rather than into yeah. the hold. Yeah, I'd be keeping tight. Hold exactly, <laughs> and uh, you know, and your uh, all your batteries obviously need to carry on. You put you can't put your batteries in the hold because they might blow a hole inside the aircraft and all that kind of stuff. So it's, but it's okay when it's on top of the aircraft. Yeah, I don't know. But there were lots of logistical challenges. We then get there and find that the, the van isn't big enough to put our kit in and all this kind of stuff. So it was really fun, though. Um, Denmark for a few days, a hotel next to a fjord, opening the windows in the morning, looking out over the water was amazing. Um, but northern part of Denmark in Jutland, where we were, not that interesting topographically, t- topographically in terms of like really flat land, yeah. lots of wind farms, lots of abattoirs. <laughs> Oh, okay. Got some really cool photos of dead pigs by the side of the road, if you want to see those. Have you actually? I've actually, yeah. Um, only what, what just piled phone. up? Yeah. Oh. Really, like, it's like a horror film. Oh, God. It was so I'm not weird. Sure I was <laughs> and the smell. The oh. smell. I'll, I'll leave Northern Denmark. Horrendous. Northern Denmark, I wouldn't rush back to, but the fjords are beautiful. And I'm sure, like, Copenhagen and around that area, I'm not being, I bet it's amazing. Um, we then flew to, De- to Norway. Um, flew into Oslo, a couple of dr- hours drive up the road from Oslo, and the most incredible, beautiful scenery you'll ever imagine. It was minus 15 degrees and two feet in snow. Really fresh, really yeah. bright, amazing people, had an amazing time. Proper snow. Imagine if there's two foot of snow over here. Just mental. They get snow non-stop between um, sort of like November and March or April even. Mm. Like consistently, just crack it's on. just a different world. Like all the cars have got snow tires on. I know it sounds obvious, but have you ever driven in snow tires? No, it's mental. Like you're driving on compacted snow. 
that if you and me drove our cars with our tires on now, you'd just spin off the road. Right. This is well, like is driving like on, tarmac. on the tarmac. No, there's no change. It's just like it's like not quite studded, just really heavy tread, and they're designed for snow. And the oh. grip is like almost as good as you'd have on the road. Wow, it's insane. So people, all the Norwegians, razzing around on the snow. <laughs> and it's when it takes a bit of getting used to. Well, all the Scandinavians are like really good racing drivers, aren't they? Yeah. So loads of the best rally drivers ever come from Finland, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, there's a few Finnish Formula One drivers and Bottas and. Kimi Räikkönen and all those over the years because yeah, they learn to drive when they're about ten. Yeah, on snow, yeah, nice. So it's <laughs> good skill set. Yeah. Anyway, it was a lovely place to film, and we got lots of great content for the client. We're now into fifteen days of edit, um, narrowing it down. We've got a premiere of the two films that we're going to make at the end of April. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of work to do between now and the end of April, but really excited by it all. But yeah, yeah that's cool. taken up. All of my time, yeah, frankly, and I and I left you in charge of everything here. So what's yeah. been going on back I, in? I held the fort. You did, yeah, it, very nobly, I must say. What, what did you? What were you working on whilst I was gone? There, uh, it was a lot of real estate stuff, as we have been doing a lot of of over the last few weeks. We have got a new client in the real oh, estate as well, which yeah. is very exciting. Doing video, doing, doing photos, videos, and yeah. doing floor plans yeah. and twilights. Yeah, loads of really nice full package of. Um, of products for a new client yeah so it's all it's all good fun yeah and that's been part of our strategy since the beginning of 2023 is to yeah. get more clients uh, in real estate doing high-end stuff yeah who value our work we've getting a bit of a reputation it's, for ourselves what, what was it that they said to us when we first turned up? i've been following you guys <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we get like a lot of that. I keep I come across a lot of people in real estate. Like, oh, you're the guys that do that because <laughs> we're trying to push the bar up and yeah. we're trying to do better work. Yeah, and it's great to see that we get positive feedback from yeah. from that. So you know, we are looking for more clients in that in that um, in that sector. Yeah, in that and the genre. great thing about it is, is it's exciting for us, but we're always learning about it as well. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. totally great to understand other people's philosophies and how yeah. they want to achieve things. And everybody's every client is different. Yeah, got different ideology and marketing and what they're trying to achieve with their business. So, you know, we have to tweak our approach depending on what they need. Yeah. Um, so you're in loads of that, have you? Yeah, very. It certainly looks like it on the on the, on our exports folder. The export <laughs> folder the last two weeks has grown a lot yeah yeah it was a slightly slower start to march but the end of march has been pretty mental yeah that, i think that kind of made up for january and february being so busy it was insane <laughs> yeah. yeah it's good so it's been a good yeah. a good few weeks um and a good looking april coming up i think we're, we're recording this at the end of march i think this goes out in a couple of weeks so it'll be mid mid april when this goes out. how is it april i don't know Hey, by the time this goes out, I'll have played cricket for the first time in five years. Hey! <laughs> That's exciting. That's really cool. And I'll have moved house. Oh! <laughs> it's all going on. There's all sorts of changes in Scott's life right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A lot going down. A lot going on. It'll be all right. It's all, it's all good. It'll all good be, it's stuff. all good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly that. Um, so, what else in terms of business stuff? We've bought a new camera. We've got another new camera. Yeah. So, we've got... <laughs> <laughs> Still sat yeah. there, isn't it? Smug. Why? Looking at us. <laughs> camera number two. Um, <laughs> good question, Scott. <laughs> Why are we still using a Canon R6 for this? Why not? Because <laughs> <laughs> we can. Yeah, because we can. So we bought another uh, Lumix S5 Mark II. So we bought one a couple of months ago. Yeah. We've got on well with it. Um, and we decided to get another one, mainly for video. So we've now got two full camera setups for our day-to-day. Yep. So the Lolly Mix is predominantly for video stuff and yeah. a Canon for photography. Exactly. Yeah. We've got a Canon bag with two R6s in with grips on and a whole load of EF glass, some really nice primes, some uh, Canon L zooms and similar. We've then got another bag full of Lumix kit. Yep. So we've got a couple of the kit lenses. We've got 20 to 60 variable max aperture. Which, considering it is a kit lens, is super it's impressive. It's a very good kit lens. Um, it gives us a bit of flexibility because it's 20 to 60. Yep. We've also got a 50mm 1.8 prime, which is good. Yeah. It's very good for the I price. would say, having done some side-by-sides with that and the Sigma Art 1.4 mm. that we use on the Canon system, 
It's not quite at the same level of optic quality. Yeah. But you wouldn't expect it to be. Because not for the price of it, no. That's the point. What is it, 500 quid? And, and, and quite honestly, you have to really be pixel peeping to see the difference. Oh, yeah. If you're just, if you're just looking on social media at the two photos, right. unless you knew what you were looking for, you wouldn't know. I think it just depends on the application. Mm. If you were doing sort of high-end art or all that kind of stuff where these things really do matter... Mm you'd notice it. But for the nature of the work that we do, we've got really, really great lenses that yeah. fo- work for what we're doing primarily. And the sensors on these things are great. They are, yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, the reason we've kept the R6 there, the Canon camera, is because we've become a little bit fond of the Canon brake. <laughs> we're not ready to leave yeah, it behind so it. It's just going to sit there. just like Staring at us. Stop taking the piss out of me. Smug. <laughs> yeah. Never, never say die attitude. Can't respect it. To be it, honest, with you. it does its job. And I have to say, um, I've got on well with the Lumix stuff generally in terms of photography. I've not done that much on it. I've it's done quite great. a few. I'm enjoying it generally, but uh, I still prefer um, the R6 when it comes to stills at the moment. Mm. And that's because I prefer the lenses, mm. and it's because I prefer the color profile because I'm used to it. Yeah, I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just what yeah. I'm used to. It's all personal preference. And isn't it? I, when we're doing twilight shoots, we use a light meter to get it perfect. And I struggled a bit with the Lumix doing the light meter stuff. I still not quite got a hand of the, the bracketing system on it. It's Told learned, you this one, yeah. a bit geeky. <laughs> it's just learning new systems, though, isn't it? I've yeah. used Lumix a bit longer than you, so I'm. Yes, you're more familiar with yeah. it. And I just re- um, what I really need to do is use the Lumix stuff on some real high intensity kind of photo shoots like events for example yep. like going and shooting a corporate event where you're capturing moments and you you need to know the equipment in your hand like the back of your hand yeah you can't be going oh how do i do that you just need to be able to do it yep. and i think doing a couple of those events i'll make mistakes and i'll learn and i'll get better and i'll be more comfortable yeah yeah so I, that's what i want to do i cannot fault the new lumix system and for me the main thing is this is really geeky dual native iso so that I, to explain to the yeah. ladies and gentlemen so what think, dual native dual dual native ISO is. I think we mentioned ISO with Ian the other week. Yes, yeah, so so ISO came about with film photography and sensitivity of the film, and it's the same thing with sensors. Yeah. So you can change the sensitivity of the sensor instead of changing your film. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mo- the higher your ISO goes, the more sensitive it is, but your creating more noise in the image. So you'll get more grainy, noisy artifacts. Now it is worth acknowledging at this point that in the last few years, digital sensors have got a lot better at reducing noise yeah. at higher sensitivity, at higher yeah. ISO. So typically you want to shoot as lower ISO as you possibly can. In an ideal world. In so when you're in a studio, world. when you're completely able to manipulate the light around you, yep. you'd shoot at the lowest ISO on your camera or thereabouts, like 100 ISO. Yep. Your camera will go as high as, what, 124,000 ISO or whatever. Yeah. Yep. But if you did that, you'd what would you use get? That. Who would use that? Really? Well, what really would happen if you did? It'd just look horrendous. So it's like a static uh, uh, screen on an old analog TV. Yeah. Black just, and white screening. I just... Yeah, just looks just, crap. Just don't go anywhere near it. No, but um, yeah, dual native ISO. A, a camera has a native ISO, which is where it performs best. A dual native ISO is a second ISO, usually higher up, well, always higher up, mm. where it starts again. It doesn't start again, but it it cleans itself up a lot. And to have that on the Lumix S5, especially can you use the dual, the dual native ISO in stills on that? I believe you can. To yeah. figure that out, but if you can, that is effectively mega. cleans itself up because it has another. It's the way all the electrics are run. It has another circuit. I very think clever, isn't it? very, very clever, geeky stuff. But um, yeah, that is a game changer, especially when it comes to video. Yeah, it is. It is, and I think in stills as well. Yeah, flying the stills, flying. <laughs> um, you know, if it, if it is dual native, dual native ISO on stills, then that is something I've never come across on any Canon system. Yep. Anyway, we're pleased with it so far. And I'd also just like to acknowledge the fact that one of the major reasons we've jumped is purely a price issue. Yeah. So there is a Mark II version of the Canon R6, which I'm pointing at. A Mark II version released only a couple of months ago, and it fixes a lot of the bugs that we don't like about the R6, like the runtime. Record time, time limit. Yeah, so you can unlimited record time and that kind of stuff. 
But to buy one of those camera bodies is 2,700 quid or there or thereabouts. Yep. Lumix are currently, obviously very clearly trying to get Sony and Canon users to consider switching to their system. And succeeding. And succeeding. So what they're doing is the launch price on the S5 II of £2,000, but they're offering a trade-in bonus through their retailers of an extra 300 quid if you trade in any old DSLR or any old camera, basically. Yeah. So what we worked out that if we, we've got, we had a few DSLRs that we used to use. I used to have a five, um, Canon 5D Mark III, which I used for years, yeah. put 60 or 70,000 actuations on it, been heavily used. I bought it in 2019 for 700 quid. Wex would give me 320 quid as a trade. When was it released? Um, about 2011, I think. So it's 12, 13 years old. 12, right. 13 years old. So Wex would give me 350 odd quid for it. Yeah. As a used camera in Great Nick with yeah. 60 odd thousand actuations on. Um, but they're giving an extra 300 quid trading bonus. So I'm basically getting back the same I paid for it in it's 2019. Mad, I used non stop as my main camera for years before I upgraded to a 5D Mark IV and then the R, R6s. Um, and then obviously, as we're a registered VAT company, we get the VAT back on the purchase price as well. So all told, it works out about a thousand quid. It's just nuts. Whereas it would work out at more like, uh, probably about two grand if we had done the R6 Mark II. Yeah, but you're still getting more features on the Lumix S5 that you don't get yeah. on the newer R6 as well, like a dual native ISO. Mm-hmm like all of the cinema video features yeah it's it's a no-brainer for video it is but the, as we've discussed or mentioned previously the the tricky bit is changing your ecosystem changing from a, a canon mount ef or r mount or sorry ef or rf mount over to an l mount yep um with with lumix so it means you have to have two sets of lenses or or buy an adapter we had a bit of an issue with our adapter, didn't we, Scott? <laughs> we did. In the so, middle so of a shoot. In the middle of a shoot. <laughs> so we got a Sigma adapter, so it means that we can put our Canon glass on our Lumix cameras, and it's worked very well with all Sigma lenses and all Canon native lenses. And it was working well. On our Tamron, Tamron 1.4 Prime. That we were using at 35 the 35mm. And then it wasn't. It just stopped working just for stopped some working. reason. So Tamron doesn't seem to work. I haven't looked into it, investigated why it was working, now it isn't. It might be a firmware update at some point. Maybe. But it doesn't work on either of the new Lumixes, no. so it's a bit of, it's obviously yeah. a lens issue. Yeah. Or an adapter issue, I should say. So anyway, that's our bit of geekery in terms of new kit and yep. that kind of stuff for this week. Um, but let's get on to our main chat yeah. for today's podcast. Yep. So iPhone versus camera. Where to start? This is quite um, an interesting subject, and we've touched on it in previous episodes. We wanted to dedicate a discussion to this because we've looked into it further and tried to be really objective, not come at it from a professional camera person perspective, but from a really balanced perspective and look at the capabilities of modern-day smartphones and their cameras versus modern-day cameras and different sorts of cameras, I suppose. Yeah. So, should we start off just by talking about what the key differences are in terms of hardware, or since we've got three minutes left on the Canon time? Oh, there we go. Should we do a Canon break <laughs> and then discuss it? I mean, we, we can. He's answered them. for me by just rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right. so let's get into it. So Scott, start us off then. What are the key fundamental hardware differences between an iPhone free? We'll use iPhone as a reference point for phone cameras because we've both got iPhones. Yeah, so when we say iPhone, we mean mobile. Mobile, because I'm I not that familiar with Samsung or Pixel. Although or, I'm sure is, they're very good. I will mention something about Samsung. Um, yeah, so obviously the main difference, camera, we're going to stick to cameras. Yeah. Uh, the biggest difference is the sensor size mm-hmm. so what's the sensor size for those who are not in the know so the sensor is the bit of the camera that records the image it is what is capturing the light in a mirrorless camera you, you do still have different sensor sizes so you could buy an APS-C crop sensor camera you could buy a full frame camera you could buy a medium format camera they're all different sizes 
typically you use a, mu a full frame camera, mm -hmm. which is what we use in all of our cameras here. And that is a 35 millimeter sensor. And that's derived from, from 35 film. millimeter film in yeah. years gone by. So that's that, considered full frame. Yep. An iPhone or a mobile, oh, there's still some music going on, uh, has... Shall I tell you exactly how big? It's minuscule. Seven millimeters by five millimeters. So it is... And that's in an iframe, sorry, that's in an iPhone 12 Pro. I do think it's got slightly bigger. Maybe. Um, but yeah, it's tiny. So... What's the, what's the fundamental so difference So you can't then? capture the amount of light that... A light. So that's the key thing. So photography, yeah. the word photography comes from light recording. Yeah. Photography. Light, <laughs> graphy. Light, graphy. Light, light painting. Light painting or something. Yeah. yeah. So it's all about light. That's how we produce our images on whatever device it is. Yeah. And it's a fundamental fact of physics that the smaller the sensor, the less light can be recorded. Yeah, it's just physics. Right. Yeah. So if in you have years a smaller by, glass, you can put less water in it. Right. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah. And in years gone by, whilst full frame was 35 millimeters, um, there was bigger than that. It was medium format and large format film. Yeah. And so the bigger that they are, the greater data effectively and light that can be recorded yeah. on that. And you can still get those in digital as well. You can. Yeah. You can get medium um, format digital. Very expensive. <laughs> just... just just no. Just no. <laughs> I mean, I've never yeah. played with one. I'd imagine if I played with a Hasselblad or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, we need one of those. <laughs> but they're very, very expensive pieces yeah. of kit. Um, so sensor size is the first difference. So that's a fundamental difference. What does that mean from a consumer's perspective? What, diff what actual practical difference does it mean if you can't get as much light onto your sensor? Well, typically your photos would be, I don't want to say darker, but they, were, they would have less detail in them if you use a, a smaller sensor. So it'd be compensated by something like ISO. Yeah. So ISO would have to be higher to compensate for less light coming onto the sensor. Yeah. And yeah. that with ISO, you get... Grain, noise, noise, artifacts. So... Things we don't like to see. Bad things in photography. <laughs> bad things. Bad things. Yeah. So that's the first fundamental difference. They are getting bigger, the sensors. Yeah. And However, my camera, my phone, for example, has three... Lenses and three sensors on yep. the back. I assume it's three sensors. Certainly it's slightly bigger sensor than on my previous phone. And yeah. it's really noticeably different. So I've got a, what have I got? I've got a 12 Pro Max. Right. Yeah. I think my previous one was an iPhone 10 or something. And the difference in low light performance, which is always a good barometer of the quality of a, 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 a sensor. Yeah. But there's a lot of different. different things that go into that with an iPhone. Yes. So with an iPhone... It has a lot of inbuilt stabilization. Right. Which is used to compensate in low light. So it can have a longer shutter speed to so let more light in, all handheld and still get a good still photo that isn't And this blurry. is one of the things we were talking about with Ian. So there's the yeah. three factors to making a great exposure yeah. on a photo. The exposure triangle. So you've got shutter speed, aperture, ISO. Aperture is the size of the opening. Yep. ISO is basically the quality of your sensor and how grainy it is. Yep. And shutter speed is how long it's exposing for. Yeah. And, and you do a combination of those things to create the perfect exposure. And you can adjust each one of those for creative reasons as well. Yeah. If you wanted blur, you'd have a longer shutter speed. Yeah. If you want shallow depth of field, which means some things in focus and loads of things are out of focus, you'd use aperture to control yeah. that. ISO, if you wanted grain for some weird reason. I do. I know I, you I, love I a, bit like a bit of grain. Yeah. Then you whack up your ISO, but it's yeah. not very nice grain when it's no. ISO. So like generally it, yeah. speaking, ISO is the one you always want to be as low as possible. Yeah. Um, but on an iPhone, you get a load of electronic stabilization. So Software. It, yeah. Computational photography, they call it. So it, it will effectively create a stable photo. So by using software. AI. AI. That keeps cropping up in this podcast. Um, so it, it it is really good at what it does because it allows you to have a, a longer shutter speed and still get a still photo. It's very which clever. you couldn't do on a camera. Right. To the same extent. So what features do a camera such as what we're using here today have to stop that sort of movement, camera shake? So they have IBIS. In body 
image stabilization, image stabilization. which is where the actual sensor will move around. Mm-hmm. So it's on like kind of like a cat's cradle in there. So yeah. when you move the kind of camera body, the sensor stays. Yeah. It's like suspension on a car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that does a great job, but you're never going to be able to get the ex- the same length exposure as you would get on a phone. I've done five second exposure. Handheld. Handheld on my phone. Right. So anything over about one fortieth of a second without IBIS, I'm saying here, you could without pro- IBIS, you could pro- I can get down to about one twentieth maybe. On the new, new. Depends how shaky your hands are. Cam- Some people have got shakier hands yeah. than others, actually. Newer cameras, you can get around about half a second. With, right. With I've not tried it with any of the new ones, but I know but, I tried it on like a 5D Mark IV yeah. and I got down to about one twentieth of a second. You've got to be stood very still. You've got to very, very, yeah. you've got to lock your, shoulder, your, your elbows into your torso and like really. Yeah, and hold your breath. Hold your breath and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Whereas on the phone, as you say, you can get up to five second exposure. It's nuts. And it's all to do with like the algorithms and computational photography. Really, really clever. Very clever. So that's one one of the differences. Uh, any other hardware differences? The lenses. Right. So obviously on a camera, you can choose whatever lens you want. You can do whatever you want with it. You can have a wide lens. You can have a super telephoto lens and just create anything you want. An iPhone, you're pretty limited. You're stuck with what's on the back of your camera. Yeah. So there are different lenses. You've got your wide and your normal, I think they call it. Yeah, this it. one has three lenses. Ultra it has a wide. normal and ultra wide or a... Telephoto. telephoto yeah it's not really a telephoto, it's, a telephoto. <laughs> it's slightly <laughs> yeah it's an optical zoom and, and actually one of the things i think a lot of non-photographers don't realize is that just by zooming in it's not zooming no you're just cropping you're cropping yeah so cropping is basically you're taking the same number of pixels and you're just making less of them so the quality of the image gets less and less you're cropping in and on you end up enlarging the pixels exactly yeah. so it just looks pixelated and grainy yeah. and terrible whereas an optical zoom means that the actual focal length yeah. of the lens changes. So yeah. you might have a 50 millimeter focal length, which is roughly equivalent to the human eye. Yep. 85 mil, which is closer than that. <laughs> I don't know the equivalent. <laughs> or or you know, the, the three primes that we use most of the time are 35 millimeter, which is wider than the human eye. Yep. 50, which is roughly the same as the human eye. And 85, which is more of a, a zoom, yep. zoomed in sort of look. And that's kind of maybe the same as this except the ultra wide on this is probably equivalent to about what a 24 or something yeah i think so and maybe even wider might be maybe an 18 something like that. Yeah. it's pretty wide actually yeah quite kind of similar to our wides that we use on yeah. photography on um real estate yeah but there's the quality of the lens stuff as well so you've got this tiny bit of glass on the back of your phone i, I think i think they work in the same way. Yeah, so they like, light through. So in a lens, you've not just got like one piece of glass. There's loads There's many of many elements yeah. of glass in there. And it's yeah. the same in your phone. Yes. They're just a lot smaller and a lot closer together. Yeah. And it's the quality of the glass, the glass yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, and actually a lot of this gets into the kind of like, it's difficult to explain kind of stuff. Yeah. Like there's certain lenses that I love just because they've got an amazing optical quality about yeah. them. They just look beautiful when you take an image. Yeah. And I'm yet to see, um, I'm yet to see, sort of phone imagery with the same beauty of basic optics. Yeah, but you've been doing a bit of research. <laughs> it's quite scary what you can get out of a phone. And there are now photographers out there who create professional level photography with an iPhone. Yeah. So what are some of the other limitations of a phone? So what, what I suggested to you before you proved me wrong was like. You can put, a f- you can trigger other f- lights from your proper cameras by using a trigger on your camera that triggers lights around the room yep. or whatever. Or you can have a flash on top of your camera. Yeah, so you can have external flash. On camera, an yeah. external flash. So I thought, well, you can't do that with a phone. Wrong. <laughs> you can now. So Profoto, which is one of the top end lights manufacturers for pro, fo- for pro photography, they now build lights that are compatible with iPhones. Right. So you can now trigger lights. And that is a massive game changer. So you can bring, obviously, you're letting less light into your iPhone than a real camera. You can now add extra light using external lights. Yeah. Which is a massive thing for shape. Light is everything, as we said in photography. And shaping mm-hmm. light with external artificial light yeah. is a real skill that professional photographers use, particularly in studio environments, yeah. in events. Yeah. Um, 
bringing, I mean, I know so, a set of photographers who will not take a single shot without external off-camera off flash because yeah. they want to shape the light artificially. You and I tend to do a lot more natural light photography than that, yep. but we do use flash quite a bit yep. when we're in studios. I was completely new to flash when I started working with you. Yeah, we've done quite yeah. a bit, and we're doing more and more of that. Yeah, uh, I love working with flash because I just love the blank canvas. Yeah, And the fact that you can pot potentially do that with a phone is unbelievable. It, yeah. It, it's just... It, how far technology has come on in the last few years is just insane. Absolutely mental, isn't it? There's the, there's one thing that I think was quite interesting is that the there's something that was referred to um, in some photography circles as the megapixel myth. Big myth. So people are sold this myth because this is what camera manufacturers do as well as phone manufacturers. They sort of give you the impression, unless you know, they give the impression that the more megapixels your camera has, the better the image. Yeah. It's utter bullshit. Yeah. The number of pixels has got nothing to do with it. My first camera was a small sensor, so a crop sensor yeah. Canon with 24 megapixels. Yeah. I then got a Canon 6D, which is full frame, but it only had 20 megapixels. And the quality of the image difference, because it was full frame... It's not about the pixels. It's about, about the quality that. and the size of the pixels. Yeah. Not how many pixels you've got. And different pixel counts allow you to do different things. Exactly. So a lower pixel count typically means that that camera will perform better in low light. Exactly. So which is why we, one of the reasons we went for R6 rather than R5. Because yeah. R6 is far better low light performance. And we do a lot of, of shooting events, events yeah. in dark rooms at night. Yeah. So low light performance is really important to yeah. us and that's why we went for that camera yep um but the I'm, the actual picture quality thing is complete rubbish so uh, just to, to go back to like the beginning of digital photography 20 odd 30 odd years ago there were like one megapixel sensors in pro level cameras yeah and people were using images that were taken on these cameras and blowing them up to billboard size and putting them on the side of roads yeah there was no problem it's not about the number of megapixels it's about the quality and the size of the pixels that count. There's a, I found a little quote about this. Um, the Kevin, <coughs> sorry, the KenRockwell.com, which is, they do a lot of reviews and that yeah. kind of stuff. For, uh, the, the myth. The megapixel myth was started by camera makers and swallowed hook, line and sinker by camera measure baiters. Camera makers use the number of megapixels as a, a camera has to hoodwink you into thinking it has something to do with camera quality. They use it because even a, t even a tiny linear resolution increase results in total huge pixel increase since the total pixel count varies as the total area of the image, where, which varies as the square of the... It gets a bit technical, but I won't go into that. But basically, yeah, it's just saying exactly what we've said. It's nothing to do with the quality of the pixels. So when people get a new phone, they go, this one's got 12 megapixel camera. So... Who cares? It really doesn't matter. Really how matter. good's your lens? How good's your sensor? Yeah. They're the things that There's matter. times where more megapixels are nice. Like and, if you're unnecessary. Doing, yeah. Sometimes if you're doing in like pro level high detail product photography, things like that. I would probably, like we, we use a um, Canon 5D Mark IV in the studio. Yep. Because it's a slightly bigger sensor than any of our other cameras. It's got a 30 megapixel camera, but it's on a full, full frame, really nice, posh, sexy sensor. Yeah. So the images are unreal. I still think it's the best sensor for stills, and I'm still to do a lot of work on the Lumixes. That's the best sensor I've ever worked with mm. on stills photography. Yep. It's not as good at low light as the R6, but in terms of optical quality. Yeah. In not, a studio, it's great. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But Samsung, <laughs> in the last couple of months have come out with their new version of the iPhone, whatever it's called, yeah. their flagship phone yeah. with a 100 megapixel sensor. And everyone's going, oh my God. Yeah. That just sounds to me like it's going to be crap in low light. It's just, I, who needs that anyway? Even on a proper camera, no one needs that. If the if the top well, photographers, pro photographers are going around with 20 megapixel cameras, that's yeah. all you need to know. Yeah. They're not going out and going, I wish my camera had a hundred. When, Sony came out with the new A7S 3. Three. And it's got a 12 megapixel sensor camera and it's four and a half grand. Right, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. the quality of the sensor. And what's the, is it the five, um, I don't really know the the Sony names very well. A7R4 or 5, is it? With like 60 A7 megapixels? A7R5 is 60. 60 megapixels? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that 
that for me just goes, oh my God, we're going to have to change all of our hard drives, change all of computer. our backup, new computer, different cards. Yep. It just means more data, which means clogs up your entire workflow. So that's another reason why I went for the R6, because it keeps the file sizes down. Yeah, we do three exposures on every shot we do in real estate. It is a complete marketing tool. It is. So that's a myth, hopefully, that we're dispelling. Um, so ignore what it, your megapixel count is. It makes no difference whatsoever. Any other hardware changes? The only one I would probably identify is, uh, well, two, actually. One is the fact that a camera is designed to be a camera, and there has loads of functionality. <laughs> phone is not. And, and, a, and you know, it's, it's got loads of functionality within it yeah. to make the user interface far more helpful. Things mm. like leveling tools and different switches and bits on it that make taking photos when you're in a pinch much yep. easier than staring at the back. So a phone is designed to be a phone or partly designed to be a phone. It's a computer, really. It's a computer. Yeah. So it has loads of functionality and does loads of different things. It's connected to the internet and it's got Bluetooth and it's got... So this one has a LiDAR sensor on the back as well. Yep. So the new new iPhones, and I'm sure the other manufacturers do it as well. Um, a LiDAR, do you know what LiDAR is technically? Is Shall I tell you? Lots of little lasers. Yeah, so LiDAR is a remote sensing method. LiDAR technology uses the light from a laser to collect measurements. These are used to create 3D models and maps of objects and environments. My camera can't do that. No, but it's coming. Is it? Yeah, it is coming. There's... I, we were at the photography show last year and I showed you that new DJI 4D and it's got like What's a that? four axis gimbal on it. Four axis? Yeah. So you know like a normal gimbal is like tilt, pan, roll. Yeah. This one has got another one for like height. Right. I think that's what you'd call it, I guess. I don't know. So you could lift it up and the camera would stay oh, in the same place. Elevation or something. Yeah. Whereas if you lifted a normal gimbal up, it would just go up. Gotcha. So that adds in another level of stabilization. Gotcha. But it's got LiDAR mm -hmm. and it gives you, so if you're manual focusing the camera, it's proper geeky stuff, but it's incredible. If you're manually focusing the camera, you can use the LiDAR as it shows up on the screen as a graph. So you can see the image as a graph. So you know exactly where you're focusing. Wow. So you can pull focus and know you're in focus all of the time. Wow, that's insane. It's incredible. So it's, I'm going to have to take a while to digest that. That's it a it bit turns techy. it into a little bit of a game. Right, right, right. It's right, cool. Yeah. So we use LiDAR for do. So one of the services we offer as part of our marketing um, content for real estate is floor plans. Mm. So we use the LiDAR on the back of our phone to measure measure rooms and it's mental isn't it <laughs> it's blowing my mind we go around and scan an entire like two and a half thousand square foot property um send it away they charge us some money and it comes back the next day and it's bloody perfect like to the a centimeter i've checked it i got i yeah. bought a raid uh, a laser measurer thing yeah um and did my house and all the measurements were within an inch or so you know, they say 98% is close. It was more accurate than that. It's absolutely insane. And you still got people going around doing floor plans for people. With a measuring with tape. With a measuring tape. They're <laughs> taking them hours. It takes us five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still, um, it's still let's cost Let's just get rid of everything. And it's still use, use so this is the, you know, AI, isn't it? And we've spoken loads about AI. Yeah. And there's loads of AI in software as well. So you were talking about how software, earlier you were talking about Canva how um, Canva now has a lot of AI stuff. You've got like the P Google Pixel yep. um, remove tool. What's it called? Special deleter. Or special. <laughs> what's it called? I like that. It should be special deleter. <laughs> Just on a slight, a slight side note, chatting with the guys that I was in Norway with and they've got a colorist who works for them doing all their color grading and everything. Yeah. And she's called herself RGB. I've, I don't know who she is. She's she got a profile called RGB, yeah. and they were saying, why haven't you called yourself Darth Grader? <laughs> the, 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 the domain is... <laughs> anyway, I digress. That's great. Um, um, yeah, it's a bit of like some Photoshop tool, isn't it? That you right. can swipe around something that you Remember don't what want. what it's called? Some magic eraser. Special, magic eraser. Yeah. Special delete. <laughs> Okay, so um, you've got this sort of thing. So, and people think that is amazing. And it is amazing from a consumer. So actually, I think our perspective on all this is a lot of this stuff should be like, from a consumer perspective, why do we need 
high-end kit. What is the output any better from high-end kit like we use? Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, objectively so. Yeah, and I'm not just being geeky, it is better. So why is it better to the consumer, not to us? Uh, it looks better. The quality of the images? Yeah. And the quality of the video? Yeah, and you, you, there's that much more information in a photo or in a video clip that you can do whatever you want with it. So it gives you options in the edit to make yeah. things look very different. Yeah. So whilst you can now... so. Obviously, everyone knows what a JPEG is. Yep. A JPEG is a finalized image that has been taken from the sensor and the camera or the phone has made some decisions on how it wants that image to look, baked it into an image, yes. and that's how it is. Once you've got a JPEG, you can't really do a lot to edit it because it's almost like a final product. Yeah. But once you, if you're using the iPhone camera app, mm-hmm. the camera is doing all of those decisions. Yeah, for you for you so iso shutter speed not so much the aperture Mm. but but you can get pro level apps for your iphone to give you complete manual control over your phone yeah it's just not as easy to use as a camera yeah because you'd have to learn how to do photography right be able to use so what this this is done is it's made the access point for people who want to take photos much lower and we've discussed this before, and I like that. Yeah. I think everyone should have access to being But like we mentioned before, there's so much more that goes into photography than just learning Aperture settings. And, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's about composition. It's composition, lighting, yeah, all that all sort that of thing. Stuff, yeah. yeah. But I think if, if, a, if a phone is enough to inspire someone to really get into photography, then I think it's a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing, as long as you don't then go and pick up a camera and stick it in auto. That the worry so obviously auto will do a really good job these days auto settings on these cameras you can pick them up and point the camera at the one you want to shoot it and it'll take a half decent photo yeah and it'll look better than your camera on your phone but if you if you're just used to taking photos on your iphone using the camera app it's doing everything for you apart from composition which you learn yourself Mm -hmm. you then go and pick up a proper camera Mm -hmm. where you've got to learn how to use the settings that is going to completely throw you so i want to throw something at you here I've done a bit of research about some professional iPhone photographers and I thought you might want to look at some of their images. Right. Get Instagram up on your on your screen. I'm not going to be able to tell which one has done it. No, 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 I'm not doing I'm not going <laughs> to test you because I've seen some of these and some of them are really difficult to to show. It depends on the ty- type of image you're taking. Yep. Some images you can't replicate on phones. Some images you can and the ones that you can are really sometimes very different difficult to Tell the difference. Yeah. I think Peter McKinnon did a video not that long ago. Or no, what's the Finnish guy that he hangs out with? Matty Hapoya. Yeah. He did a video, a, a comparison between, I think, an R5, Canon R5. And an iPhone. Three grand for camera and an iPhone. And a lot of the images are like, I honestly can't tell the difference. Yeah. Or that one's better. Oh my God, that was the iPhone. So in certain circumstances, but in other circumstances, particularly low light and that kind of stuff, you can see a big difference. Yeah. So it depends on what your photos are for. So check out a couple of these people. So the first one I'll ask you to have a look at is Kim Hagstrom. So K-I-M-H-A-G-G-S-T-R-O-M. S-T-R-O-M, right. And these are all shot on an iPhone only. She's created a beautiful collection of photos, neutral colours, strong contrast. We'll put the links to these in 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 the podcast notes. Beautiful photos, right? Really nice photos. But she's learnt composition. She's learnt about... She's learnt how to be a good photographer. Yeah. Right, exactly. There's another one here. How check this one out. Dinalf. D-I-N-A-L-F. Dinalf. iPhone 14 Pro. It is insane, isn't it? Aren't they beautiful photos? But... She's obviously, or he, I don't know, he or she, obviously learned to be a really good photographer. They've learned, like, yeah, they've learned everything else that there is to do with And then I would imagine... And they're well edited. And they're well edited. And they've probably figured out the capabilities of the iPhone camera really well by going into the settings, by getting a pro app on it. You can spend, like, 50 quid on an app for your iPhone to be a good photographer app. Yeah. So you go through all these processes, and then you can really use the hardware to its best... And there are certain limitations. There's no question in terms of using an iPhone, but it depends on what you want to use your camera for at it the does. end of the day. There are, there are places where an iPhone will work better. Exactly right. And there's also something else to be said in that an iPhone is always in your pocket. 
Yeah. Ian once said in one of the beginner lessons that I was in his class, he said the best camera is the one that you've got with you. That's very true. And quite often you don't have a big mirrorless camera with a big lump of glass on the front in your hand when that moment happens. And actually what do people look for in photos a lot of the time? They look they look back for mem- memories memories and stuff. Stories. Some of yeah. people's most prized and personal fantastic photos are blurry like snapshots or like um what they called the ones that print out polaroid, polaroid. yeah that kind of stuff that mean the most to people yeah. because it captured on a moment. this note holly my girlfriend has just sold her digital camera she's buying going purely film is she yeah yes holly yeah, she's going purely film. Is this because she listened to Ian Turpin's podcast? Well, no, because as we're recording this, it's not out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's been thinking of it for a while because Actually, of that exact reason. It really reason. suits her, I think, yeah. the nature of photography and what she does because with photos. Because of that exact reason, because she just wants to create memories. She likes editing photos and stuff, but if you have... Did she sold a camera. Mm, massive. So if you have... You c- can buy another camera anytime you want really can't you so, but she just wanted to go purely analog film right. so she can create those memories forget about take a photo forget about what it looks like for a little while and then develop it yeah you it's you remember it then yeah. you're not going to sit there for hours editing hundreds of photos of the same thing exactly, exactly. so yeah let's have a quick cannon break So I thought that was interesting looking at those photographers. Yeah. There's a that few was more. A very abrupt. <laughs> it was. I was a bit shocked. Um, there's some other lovely stuff. I found another one called Leo Leo Paris. Um, check them out if you want. I'll, I'll, we'll post a link to a few of these yeah. so people can check out themselves. And these are really, really good photographers. Um, I think the bottom line is it is possible to take great photos with an iPhone, but there are limitations. Yeah. And I think if you... Spe- and, and one other th- sort of thing I think worth mentioning... Um, well, we haven't talked about software actually. So, software-wise, so Canva we mentioned, we mentioned um, Pixel Ultimate Deleter. <laughs> and um, there's also so on, on the camera side of things, on the proper photography side, you, you know, we use things like Lightroom and we use Photoshop to yep. manipulate and edit our, our um, images. And the AI within those and the capability within those has got so much better now. So it yeah. can like identify things in the in the image. And we've, we've mentioned this a few times. So whereas in the past, you might spend an hour cutting somebody out of a photo so you can adjust their properties, you know, or change the light or change the colour or whatever. So now you just click a button. And it, not only is it yeah. the people, it can identify the iris and it can identify the pupil and the teeth and the hair so you can manipulate different elements of an image yeah. without having to you know sort of mess around spending hours yeah and that's that, I think that's great because it's getting rid of what is not a creative process yeah. it's not a fun process to do yeah. that so I'm all for that um, is when things are doing everything for you so it takes away, so this is the big AI chat in it yeah, kind of. I think it is a form of AI. So there's things that are starting to come out. It's been around for a little while, but video editing apps that will edit video for you. Right, tell me about this. <laughs> it's just everything I hate. <laughs> so I think DJI have got a form of this. So you could fly your drone, download it into the DJI app straight from the drone, and it will cut together that footage to a piece of music. Insta360 is another like action 360 camera brand. They just released a new thing where it will tell you what clips to get. And then you shoot those clips using this new app or whatever it is. Um, and it will then edit those for you into your own video that you can then stick on social media and it's just taking all the creativity out of it yeah and i think when you're passionate about creativity that hurts yeah because someone could stick that up on instagram reels (laughs) and get thousands and thousands of views and loads of love on it yet 
we spend five, six hours crafting an incredible video. The, the question, and I don't want to sound like devil's advocate here. The question is, does it matter to the consumer? Are we just this indulging a, ourselves because we like being content creative? for the sake of content because we cannot get away from content. I don't really like the word content, but there's that much on it of it now on Instagram. You scroll constantly forever. There's no end to it. One of the lovely things about analog film cameras is that you only get a certain limited number of exposures. Yep. Ian was saying when we interviewed him that the, the sprocket rocket, you know, that weird little yep. 16 by nine or whatever it was, it's only got like four exposures per reel yeah. or six or something. So you got really, really. Yeah. And I remember him lending that to me and going outside and I felt like this pressure yeah. to get every exposure composed perfectly, exposed perfectly. Don't mess up. You've only got four. With the digital camera, you're just like, bam, 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 bam spray and pray. Mm. One of the photos will be good. Yeah. When we go and do a wedding, we do like 4,000 images in a day. If you had film cameras, you're not going to do 4,000 no images. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'd have a van full of film. <laughs> but I think if you've got stuff making stuff for you. What's the point? What is the point? Well, there's two points. One is the creative process. It's all going to look... For us, as yeah. creators, yeah. there's the process that we enjoy. Then there's the output for the consumer of that, sorry, content. Yeah. Does it matter to them, the person who's paying or viewing it, does it matter to them how it was made? But it's all going to look the same as well. Because if That's someone else problem. is using that thing, that thing is the exact same as that other person. It's like using. chat GPT. Yeah. If you put the same commands in, it's always going to give the same shit back. Yeah. So you have to get really good at teaching chat GPT to give you unique answers, but it's still information that's already out there. Nobody's creating it. Yeah, there's no creativity in it at all. I almost feel like this podcast is just becoming about AI. <laughs> just bitching about AI. Well, maybe that's... we hate the future. I, I think it's something we will regularly visit and I've got no problem with it because it's really topical. Really topical. Yeah. Since Christmas, AI has gone mental. Yesterday, so when this podcast comes out, I don't know, but like yesterday, we're, we're recording this on 30th of March. Yesterday, there was a lot in the news about uh, AI um, and lots of people involved in the creation of AI starting to get worried about its capabilities and calling for a pause on development on AI. Yeah. And banding around phrases like end of humanity and things like that because we're empowering the robots a little bit here. Okay. And I think people want to stop to just take stock and go, where is this going? Is this a bit dangerous if these AI bots have sort of life of their own and can make decisions on our behalf? They're going to become far more capable than humans at some point. Well, yeah, they'll start thinking for themselves. Right, so there's but it sounds that. ridiculous, but it's true. Well, we've always joked about it, haven't yeah. we? You know, like the robots true. taking over. Well, it's actually probably on the dawn of that if, if we I let it. I think we're it. a lot closer to it than we realize. And it needs regulation, as we've said before, yep. to sort of stay us in line. We're off topic a little bit, but it is something that we keep coming back to yeah. because AI is so it's built into these as well. It make, helps you make better photos and better videos. And we haven't talked about video much on these, but these have got like some pretty cheeky features on video. But that's another thing, like cinematic mode. Cinematic mode. Really? How does it do that? I, I, so can you yeah, explain to listeners how it how does it that? Do, so, if, or what it does, I should say. Cinematic is another word I hate. <laughs> I spent all okay. week on shoot last week taking the piss out of the vi the, vi the, the um, camera up going have you got a cinematic mode on that camera he's got like a Sony FX9 on his shoulder he's like, piss off <laughs> but uh, it could mean a load of different things a load of different and no, no one knows what it means cinematic because it's a load of different things yeah it just makes it look kind yeah, of cinematic it could, it could, yeah it's kind of cinematic but a lot people often think like depth of field is cinematic yeah so if you've got a shallow depth of field backgrounds out of focus or the yeah. foregrounds out of focus i think one of the cool things that it does yeah. in that mode is it is able to recognize who the subject of the frame is yeah what is incredible is if you're in cinematic mode on your iphone it is doing all of that computationally so the algorithms and the ai are figuring out yeah. what should be in and out of focus in video in, in real, real time, time yeah which is nuts it's just mentally from a phone <laughs> but did you know that once it's recorded you can then change the depth of field. No, you can't. <laughs> yes, you can. So if you wanted to switch. No, you can't. In post, you can switch. Oh my God, that's mental. Can't do that on a video camera. Can't do that on a camera. So have we actually come to any conclusions in any of this, Scott? Are we just a bit confused by it all? 
Um, I, I can, one more thing. Sorry, before we conclude, one more thing. How would your client feel if you turned up to professional photo shoot and got an iPhone out? Well, I know if I was paying someone to come and make a video and they turned up with an iPhone, I'd kick them off, off the offside. Is that just indicative of where we are at this moment in time? Do you think people become more accepting to that in time when they realise what an iPhone can do? Probably. Are these days numbered for these or not? <laughs> I don't want them to be. The R6 is. <laughs> yeah, the R6. Forget the R6. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. our camera, you know, is it just... What I'm getting well, at. Are our jobs coming to the end? Well, I kind like, of you think... Can, you can put into AI now, make me a photo of this yeah. at this time. Yeah. Someone doing this. All right, let's relate that to the sort of business that we do, though. Let's say we're taking photos of, number one, the elms in <laughs> the Wirral. I've just made that address up, so if it exists, I'm Half really sorry. it exists. <laughs> All right. <laughs> in the Wirral, the elms, number 24. And if we take it into the AI and say, right, go and take us some real estate images of that of that house and then edit them for an estate agent. It can't do it. No. And that's why I kind of think our job is safe. It might help us in the edit. It might help us in terms of taking the photos, but some a human has to go there. And it's the same in a business. If we're doing brand photography for, a, for an SME, it has to be those people in the photo in their office. And you can't AI that. That's why I can't think our job is safe in that respect. Until you can literally send, send a, a drone. drone and it will fly around the house and do it itself. How long do you think that is? Not far. It's possible now. Stop it. <laughs> it's all a bit scary and we're getting quite deep into it, I suppose. I think it will be a common thread, the AI thing. We're not going to be an AI podcast, I don't think. I don't know. I, I don't but like it. there is a lot going on and it's very topical and um, it's moving very quickly. And how it affects the world and the consumers and the creatives is very important to us because it's our neck of the woods, it's our industry, I suppose. So we will keep our finger on the pulse with it as much as possible. This all started with that podcast thing, the Darth Vader's head. Oh, yeah, yeah, do you remember that? And we were just like, oh, that's cool. And now it's like, I'm really scared. Because <laughs> it's Darth Vader. <laughs> Darth Grader. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So have we got any conclusions that we want to wrap up with then? I mean, but just do everything with an iPhone. Yeah. No, no, Scott, don't do it. Don't give in. Don't give in. Stand up for the cameras. No, no. I can't give up my cameras. No. 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 We won't be giving up cameras anytime soon, but who knows what the future will bring. At the, as I said, for the certain type of video or certain type of photo, the iPhone is perfectly capable. And we shouldn't discount the fact that it's the best camera when it's the only one on you. Yep. Right? Yeah. But, but I, don't, I don't think sticking to camera, it sounds... I don't, it can sound kind of snobby, like if we're saying like stick to big cameras and everything that do all. Of I don't things. want to sound snobby, it's and that's not, what I, I said. Think, I, yeah, I don't think it is snobby, but it. But it I th- people that aren't necessarily in the photography world and don't understand cameras and just take pictures of family for themselves, they're not going to understand like the whole photography world. So to them, it might sound that way. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think the the worry, or the, not the worry, the fact of the matter is that the consumers love ultimate deleter on Google Pixel phones. Yeah, it's just because it's forced they love them on TV. The phone camera app on an iPhone. Yep. And at the end of the day, when those people do it and those people buy that or buy the buy that phone because it can do that, then that's kind of all that matters in terms of a commercial element. Mm. And actually, maybe maybe these sorts of cameras will just become the preserve. They'll become like film cameras now. They'll, they'll be for a different purpose, maybe. Yeah. Maybe what these will become is for people like Ian, who hate digital photography and really like film photography because it's warm, it's analogue. Yeah. And it gives them... They'll be for a, people like us that hate iPhone photography. Right. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But it, I don't think they'll stop making them because there'll be a, a market for them. The photographers the thing love that iPhones kit. give you is just instant content for the sake of instant I saw content. I how much you hated saying that. <laughs> I really do. That's another thing we can talk about in the future. Instant content. Just too much content. Yeah. We should all have a sprocket rocket camera. Yeah. And take six photos. Yeah. Actually really consider it. Ian, very kindly... Um, he offered to come back 
um, when we've got a bit of time with some analog cameras. We should do that. And take us out shooting yep. with some film cameras. We'll I really think we should do it. We'll make a 100%, video on it. Yeah. Um, I can also say thanks to Ian because he he uh, he had a podcast a couple of years ago through the pandemic um, called The Ordinary Photographer, and it's well worth looking at. He's got such a great perspective on the world of photography, has Ian, as, mm. as you'll have heard when if you listen to our podcast with him. Um, but he put it to one side and shelved it. He had a lot going on in his life. And by coming on our podcast, it inspired him to start his podcast again. All right. And he started it up last week again. Amazing. And he started, you know, he used to be a teacher yep. for photography, but because he can't teach anymore for various reasons, he's now delivering his teaching lessons, his lesson plans via podcasts. That's amazing. So he started doing that. And That's he, cool. he, 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 made, he gave us a major shout out on his last podcast earlier this week. Um, sort of thanking us for having him on his show. And all this so a big thanks to you, Ian, um, for coming on the show because it's really made us think. Yeah, it? yeah. Where can um, we find that? Um, so that's the Ordinary Photographer. Ordinary if you Google that, um, I'll go on your Apple podcast or your Spotify podcast um, and have a listen. Short podcast, 15, 20 minutes long each. And it's just Ian on his own talking about whatever subject. And yeah. I find them really engaging. Yeah. Uh, definitely a different perspective on photography. Is that about enough for today? I think we should wrap it up. Are you really depressed? <laughs> I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm going to go and cry into my pillow. <laughs> just have to um, yeah. take a proper camera out and go and take some photos and remind yourself that it's not all bad. Yeah. Or just take your iPhone. No, 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 no. <laughs> thanks very much for listening. Right. And, and thanks for your continued listens. We, we, our, our listener base is really growing, actually, both on YouTube and on on digital download platforms and stuff, which is mental. <laughs> just wherever you listen. Wherever you yeah. listen. It is mental because yeah. we've not tried, have we, no. really? We're just no, doing no. this for fun. And if people find it engaging and interesting, that is just a massive bonus. Yeah. Um, thank you very, very much for your ears and listening to us on the, on, on the Creative Pursuit podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode um, featuring... Jill Bishop. Jill Bishop. Who we've recorded with before this. So confused. <laughs> so good, my brain hurts. <laughs> a lot of podcasting for one afternoon, actually. It is. I've been at it for about four hours. <laughs> right, let's wrap right. it up. Thanks very much, cool. everyone. See you on the next See one. See you later.